Uh, good morning again. My name is Sean. I'm the lead pastor here at Sycamore. And I love that this time of year I get to say Merry Christmas, y'all. It's just a great, great time of year. It's just glorious. If you haven't driven through, by the way, uh, right down here, Walton Park, as a newbie to the RVA area, <laughs> whoa, <laughs> let me just say, okay, um, wow, yeah, that was just amazing. So uh, it is good to be just part of a culture that loves to celebrate the birth of Jesus, even if they don't know that's why they're doing it. Just the, the, the reason people go excessive and decorating is because they're happy, they're joyful, even if they don't know why this time of year. It's great. Uh, so this morning, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 24. Uh, it's a very familiar story for many of you, for many of us, boys and girls. You have a, your own version of that story as well on page 11 at the bottom. We'll be referring to that, so you want to have that in front of you. So, where are we? Well, Mary is pregnant by the Holy Spirit. All of that was explained to her by an angel, which is very helpful. But not so for Joseph. He's having a really bad day. Joseph knows she's pregnant. Joseph knows that it's not his kid. And so in his fear and in his pain, Joseph makes a plan. And then God sends an angel to talk to Joseph about his plan. And that's where our text picks up today. So if you are able, would you please stand for the reading of God's word, Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 24. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife. And let's pray together. Now, gracious God and heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you have given us speech, your very words, that we might know you, that we might know your son Jesus, and that by your spirit we might be changed and become more and more like Jesus, reconciled to you. So, Father God, we pray this morning as we come before your word, you would open it up to us. Send your spirit even now that we might receive your truth. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. And please be seated. So Joseph has a plan. And it, it wasn't a bad plan. It really wasn't. I mean, Joseph's culture at this point allowed him to have her stoned. Pick up rocks and throw them at her until she's dead. That was allowable. More common, though, in this situation would have been public humiliation to her so he could save face. Shame given on her so he would not be shamed by what appears to be her infidelity. And then, of course, that would be followed by a good old-fashioned shunning by the community. And that's just not a religious thing. That's how tribes treat their malefactors. Just this week, The Atlantic uh, ran an article that caught my eye. The title of it was, "'Tis the Season for Shaming and Judgment." And the author 
points out that one of the reasons that we as a country have such COVID fatigue is that health departments, officials, and social media have been utilizing shame as a primary motivator. And that usually doesn't work that well. So it's not just religious people who use shame and shunning to try to, you know, behavior conform. We're seeing it now as well. And that is what Mary would have faced had Joseph gone through, or had Joseph done what his culture said he could have done publicly. Good behavior enforced by shaming and shunning. She has gone outside of the good behavior, so she gets the shame. She gets shunned. Joseph, though, was going to do neither. Verse 19 tells us that he would quietly end it so as not to have her shamed or shunned. Matthew is the most Jewish of the Gospels. It was written by a Jewish person towards a Jewish audience. And so he says Joseph made this decision in verse 19 because Joseph was just. Now, that's a loaded term. For us, it's kind of an abstract thing, but for them, it was very particular. For a Jewish, ancient Jewish ears, that meant what God does. That was the definition of just, is what God does. So by saying this, Matthew says, Joseph is going to do what God would do. See, God is not about shaming. Throughout the Bible, we see that God absorbs pain to avoid hurting another. And so, too, Joseph would take his broken heart and he would just go. But a messenger from God comes in his hopelessness and tells him, Joseph, you are so wrong. He, he need not cast out Mary, but he can embrace her as his wife. And that gets us to our theme for today, which is this. God rescues us from our hopelessness in Jesus. He does it for Joseph, and we're going to see how he can do it in our life. So the first thing we see is verses 20 through 21 is their salvation is ours. So Joseph is going to leave Mary, and the angel comes to him and commands him, says, Joseph, do not fear. And it's such a caring thing to say. You know, boys and girls, I teach my kids this, I'll teach you this. Do you know that I I think I've looked this up, I think this is true, that every single time an angel shows up to somebody, Old Testament, New Testament, the first thing they say, boys and girls, is do not fear. You know what's really fun? My kids love this. In the Greek New Testament, the way you say that is mefabu. In fact, many linguists say one of the reasons that we say boo to scare someone is from that every time an angel shows up they say may fabu so say that with me boys and girls when we say that may fabu there we go every time an angel shows up they say may fabu means don't be afraid and it's a, it's god reaching down and being and caring for his kids because an angel showing up is a scary thing I like to think of that movie, Batman Begins, the guy with Christian Bale, what, over a decade ago? With that scene where, you know, we all know where Batman is being formed, his parents are killed in that back alley because they're smart enough to build this super international major company, but they're dumb enough to walk down this dark alley at night, whatever. Anyway, so his, you're right, so his, his dad is like dying from a gunshot, and he grabs his son, he looks at him, he says, Bruce, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. Now, is it a rebuke in that moment? Is it a straighten up, man? Gut up, son. Is that, is that what it is? No. It's a father's last act to reach out and give his son comfort. And that's what the message is for Joseph from this angel. A loving, heavenly father sent a messenger to speak to Joseph in one of the worst times of his life. His hopes, his dreams for a family, 
have been shattered. I mean, we can assume he spent much time in prayer and he'd come to his decision. He'd be the good guy, even though wrong. He'd just walk away. And as Joseph is considering these things, as he's struggling with these things, God comes and fixes his pain in a moment. Because the God of Scripture loves to come and fix broken lives. But God doesn't always do that, does he? There have been times in my life when I have been undone, let's say. When there's no hope. And God has seen fit to let me marinate in those trials, to let me marinate in those struggles, gasping for hope for for quite some time. I bet that's happened to you too, hasn't it? God may not take away that pandemic quickly, that stressful work situation, that painful relationship in your life, that regret from your past. You're in good company. If that's true, because both Mary and Joseph were made to marinate in this difficult, trying situation, too. You know, we don't often think about it this way, but at this point, it would absolutely be fair for Mary to think, God has ruined my life. We don't think about that, do we? We're so caught up in the joy of Jesus coming, we don't think about what it's like for a 13 year old ish, ancient Near Eastern child. To have to deal with being an unwed mother. She was about to lose Joseph. I said 13-ish, probably 15, 16, sorry. Mary, she was about to lose Joseph. She was about to be treated as unclean and shameful for the rest of her life. Her fear must have been palpable. What Mary and Joseph needed was reconciliation to take away this offense between them. And don't sanitize this because it's in the Bible. They had had the talk. Joseph, I didn't do anything. It's somehow God's baby. She begged. She pleaded for him to believe her. I mean, it's easy for us to think, well, if he loved her, he'd believe her. Or maybe ancient people were somehow, you know, dumber, so they were more open to religious explanations, right? I mean, make no mistake, Joseph knew where babies came from. And he reacted to her explanation exactly as we would. Okay, yeah, right. Okay, Mary. I mean, this is a couple in trouble. She was mad and hurt that he didn't believe her. He was mad and hurt that she was pregnant. So what happened to save the relationship? Well, look with me at verse 20. It says this. God comes in an angel and says, Do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. See, God comes and God makes it safe for them to love each other. If Joseph will believe a hard truth, that hard truth will take away the offense between them. And Joseph did, and they are reconciled because the offense is removed. See, when you and I, when we receive Jesus as he is offered to us in the gospel, we get the same thing. What we need from God is forgiveness to reconcile the relationship between us and God. We can beg, we can plead, we can be earnest, but our tears cannot bring about our forgiveness. But the word of Jesus on the cross proclaiming it is finished, 
His shed blood for our sins. That rings in God's ears. The offense is removed. We can be reconciled to God because the offense has been taken away. Maybe for some of you hearing that, that's a hard thing. How how dare I indicate that people need to be reconciled to God? That there's some sort of offense that has to be dealt with. You see, the hard thing at the center, at the core of Christianity, is that humanity is not right before God. That we do not measure up on our own. That God has the audacity to have a problem with us. You know, in recovery programs, the first step to healing is admitting you have a problem. And so too, in order to access the peace and the safety that God offers to us in the gospel... We have to recognize our alienation, our separation from God because of our sin. Fear tells us that we will never measure up to God. But in the gospel, God gives us grace because we can't measure up, but Jesus does. See, if you believe that truth, if you will let that hard truth change you, you can find freedom from fear. And embrace your loving Heavenly Father and hear Him say, do not fear. Boys and girls, what do you do when you're scared? What's one of the first thoughts you have when you're afraid? Is it to hide? Is it to run away? Because that's what Joseph's first thought was. Mary has broken his heart, made him really sad because he just wants to run away from her. But see what the angel of God says to Joseph when he's afraid. Boys and girls, let's look at your verse 20. It says this, Do not run away from being Mary's husband. That baby in her is from God. See, the angel comes and says, I know you're afraid, but don't run away. You know, boys and girls, students, when you're afraid, you can run to God. He can help you. And for all of us, At this point, the angel is talking to Joseph. He's not done. He tells Joseph even more about this baby. Look at verse 21 with me. He tells him, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. The name Jesus in Greek, Joshua in Hebrew, is this name that means he saves. So he says you will name him Jesus because he is going to be the Savior. Even before he's born, he has a name. He has a mission. He's going to save people from sin. You know, that word save, it's so religious, isn't it? I mean, outside of church, it's not that big deal of a word, but inside church, it kind of has this kind of thing, right? But because of that, we can kind of lose how important this word is. When you hear the word save outside of church, what does it mean? Right? It means to rescue. Right? It's lifeguard stuff. Like you rescue someone. And that's what Jesus is. Jesus came to be the rescuer. Christmas is bigger than our whole world because Jesus came to rescue us from our slavery to sin. You know, if you're investigating Jesus, notice you cannot separate Jesus from the concept of sin. Of, of falling short of God's intentions for us. You know, the Gandhi Jesus is very popular, right? The social justice Jesus is really popular today. But the biblical Jesus, the Jesus who was born in order to die for the forgiveness of our sins, only that Jesus can save you. 
And that's a hard thing to believe. So Joseph gets the instructions. Don't be afraid. And he gets the resources to do that when the angel tells him this pregnancy, this coming child, what you are so upset about is his forgiveness. And this child will be our forgiveness because Christmas is bigger than our whole world because Jesus came to save us, to rescue us. He will voluntarily go to a death on a cross to save his people from their sins by paying the penalty that we deserve and accepting us then into God's family. Now remember, we're doing this from Joseph's perspective. So so there's there's a little bit more going on here for him. Notice in verse 21, the angel didn't say, she will bear you a son. No, the angel said, she will bear a son. Owning the truth that the baby is not Joseph's son. There's a chance at this point, see, for Joseph to rejoice that Mary has not been unfaithful to him. And so he will take her as his wife, but not really embrace Jesus as his own. So the angel challenges him to take Jesus as his own, to embrace him as his own, to claim him. And so too I say to you, it's not enough to be a compassionate person. It's not enough to have warm feelings at Christmas time. It's not enough to be charitable. You must take Jesus as your own. You must embrace him as your own. You must claim him in order to be rescued. Have you done that? Because God rescues us from our hopelessness in Jesus. So Mary and Joseph, they're saved. They're rescued by this encounter with the angel, giving them good news. Through the promise of God, they are saved, and their salvation is our salvation as well. But there's another part here to this promise. It's this, that God with them is God with us. In verses 22 and 23, the angel is no longer talking. It's kind of hard to see that in the punctuation, but the angel stops talking at the end of verse 21. Verse 22 and 23, Matthew is now explaining to the reader that all this pregnancy stuff was promised long ago. And then he quotes from Isaiah 7 to prove it. So look with me at verse 23. He quotes from Isaiah says this, says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. See, the promised Redeemer will come so that God will be with his people no matter what. God with us. Have you ever thought about what it means for God to be with you? God with us? It's such an incredible promise. So several years ago, when our middle child, Emma, was about six, um, she came out, it was at past bedtime, she came out of her room, super panicky, she found me, she's like, Dad, Dad, there's some monsters in my room, there's monsters. Now, at the time, I was playing with Joseph, my oldest son, and he had these airsoft guns, I don't know if you've seen these things or not, they're like BB guns, but plastic, and they shoot plastic BBs, and they look very realistic, and so we were messing with like a pistol and some sort of rifle. And so, you know, I married a strong woman, and we believe in raising strong women. And so my six-year-old daughter comes to me and says, there's monsters in her room. Well, I hand her a weapon and say, go get them. <laughs> so she grabs it. She turns around. She stops. She goes, Dad, you, you've got to go. Daddy, you've got to come with me. 
I said, all right. So I grabbed the rifle. Let's go. You know, and she had watched me play Call of Duty on, you know, on safe mode. So there's no splatter, right? She had watched me play. So she knew how to, how to breach. And so I got to tell you, my six-year-old and I, we did a picture-perfect breach into her bedroom. It was amazing. I swept right, she swept left, and we got every single month. They didn't have a chance. We just took them out, man. It was great. We gathered up all the carcasses, you know, put them in a pile in the backyard and burned them. And, and as it was burning, she said, Daddy, thank you. That was so great. I said, Emma, you were so brave. And she goes, well, that's because I was with my daddy. Now, I tell you that story, one, because it's like wicked cool, right? But two, did she mean like geography when she, when, with with? Did she mean near? What did she mean when, because I was with my daddy? She meant daddy made me feel safe so I could be strong. That's how the original readers of both Isaiah and Matthew understood the promise of Emmanuel, of God with us. God is right there with us, making us safe so we can be strong. That's the promise. It's called the Emmanuel promise. It's all through the Old Testament. It was anticipated by the, the original readers when Jesus first came. This was the, 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 the promise of the Messiah, this Emmanuel promise. It was huge. It was a meme. It was a major Saturday school lesson. This microphone is really bothering me. It was, a, yeah, it was a meme. It was a major Saturday school lesson. It was like it had its own texting shorthand, we could probably say. You could just see like Rome stinks, LOL, but IP you know, for Emmanuel promise. See, the people in Joseph's day, they knew this promise that one day, someday, God was going to come and be with them to make them safe and strong. By Matthew quoting Isaiah here, he has the audacity to assert that God has brought about that promise in their lifetime. That their one day, someday was that day in Jesus Christ. See, Jesus is the connection between us and the fatherly love of God. Jesus Christ came to give his life to restore that relationship. See, Christmas is bigger than our whole world because Jesus came to save us so we could be family, we could be with God. Now, boys and girls and students, when you see Jesus in the manger on that first Christmas, you can know that God wants you in his family. That he wants you. Look with me at your verse 23 at the bottom of page 11 there. It says this, There will be a miracle baby, a little boy, and when people see him, they will say, God is with us. See, and God with them back then is God with us today. How is God with us? Well, I'm going to go back to the beginning. That Joseph is described as just. He's doing what God does. And so he will take his broken heart and go instead of shunning and shaming Mary. But see, where Joseph was powerless to fix the relationship, so he just had to slink off to save her, God is powerful to come and fix the conflict between himself and humanity. Instead of quietly leaving us, God chooses to pay the penalty for our offensives against him. And so to bring us back into God's family, on the cross, Jesus was forsaken and cast out of God's family. 
to anchor us in safety and to set us free from fear. Jesus was plunged into harm and fear on the cross. And instead of being safe and secure, He was beaten and murdered. And He did that voluntarily out of love, out of longing to have you closer. Well, that's the basic gospel. And Advent, Christmas, is about the inauguration of that gospel. Christmas is bigger than our whole world because Jesus came to save us. Oh, if you know Jesus, cling to Him even more tightly. Rest in His safety. And if you're still investigating Jesus, that safety you long for, that, that freedom from fear you wish you had, that's all available to you. Simply embrace Jesus as he is now offered to you in the gospel. Forget everything you've called religion, everything you think Christianity is all about, and just place your faith and trust in Jesus as the resurrected Lord. And don't wait. Do it now. Let's pray together. Oh, gracious God and Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the grace that is ours through your Son, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that it was while we were weak you came for us. It was while we were wayward and rebellion you sent your Son. It was while we were afraid you came to set us free from fear and to save us. Oh, Lord God, we pray that you would burn the reality of our salvation, our rescue in Jesus, deeper into our hearts for those who already know you. And Lord, we pray for those who here and listening who don't know you. We pray, Father God, that as Jesus Christ has been lifted up, portrayed as crucified, that he would be true to his promise to draw all people to himself. Would you do that, Lord, even now? Oh, Father, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.